Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. After weeks of protest in, Ir- in Iran, uh, the regime has uh, continued its execution of protesters. The European Union has responded with more proposed sanctions. So what should the U.S. response be? What does the future look like uh, for this protest movement and what's happening inside of Iran? Uh, Amos Giora, uh, an Israeli-American professor of law at the S.J. Quinney College of Law at the University of Utah and one of our great friends of the show who always provides us great deep insight uh, into this area of the world. Uh, Amos, thanks for joining us today. First of all, Boyd, I'm delighted you're back in the chair. <laughs> Thank you. It is so good to be back in the chair. <laughs> and uh, great. The world, to... is, the world is safer. The world is safer with you in the chair. <laughs> well, well, we'll go with that. We'll stick with that as a theory for the day today. <laughs> we'll, at the end of the day, I may, I may send you a rebuttal, but we'll see. <laughs> So, Amos, as you've been following all of this, uh, one kind of give us a status of what you're seeing, anything that you're hearing uh, from over there, and then what we should expect and what we should be trying to do in the weeks ahead. I think that the regime is making it very clear that uh, demonstrate at risk and uh, the public executions and the way that they are conducting themselves, I think there's a there's, double messages here. Um, one, that they're sending a clear message to the demonstrators, and two, they're sending a, a clear message to, you reference the Europeans, I think also to, to the United States, that uh, this is the way they are going to conduct business. What complicates all this is their relationship with Russia in the context of the Russian-Ukrainian war. They are clearly um, aligned with, with Putin, and does that complicate how America responds, how the Europeans respond? Sure, because nothing, obviously, here in the in the broader Middle East is um, simple or um, clear as the day is, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's uh, such a, a challenge to figure out. We've been talking about all the complexities in terms of uh, what presidents have to deal with as it, as it relates to foreign policy. I think every president comes into office thinking we're going to focus on domestic, domestic, domestic. Uh, and then they see uh, how uh, interesting the U.S.'s place in the world is, uh, and it gets real complicated very fast. Uh, and so as you look at the U.S. I think that, oh, go, ahead, go right ahead. I was just going to say, President Biden, I think, thought that he would only have to deal with China. 
But that's clear that that's not the case. And you're mm-hmm. exactly right. Every president thinks he'll do X, and then you know reality um, hits them, and they've got to deal with far more than that. And Iran is complicated, first of all, because of the, the nuclear industry, mm-hmm. and Iran is complicated because of Russia. Yeah, so I want to dive into into both of those. Obviously, we know that uh, the Iranian drones have been uh, used uh, in Ukraine uh, by Russia, uh, so that clearly complicates some things. We know Iran's own pursuit of nuclear weapons uh, is another complicating factor. Uh, how do you see the, the administration navigating that portion of the program? As far as one can tell, the, the nuclear talks seem to be I don't know if the word is a standstill or uh, proverbial timeout. One doesn't really have a sense of, of any real progress. I assume because the world is not interested in, in negotiating with the Iranians while, A, Iran is, is, is um, conducting these executions, and, B, while Iran is clearly siding with Russia, which is why I think that, as far as one can tell, there seems to be some kind of a stalemate um, with respect to these talks. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Yeah, uh, and so as as you look at the kind of the, the next steps in terms of uh, what happens, clearly, uh, as you pointed out, the, the Iranian regime is is really sending that dual message, uh, both to the U.S. And, and the Europeans, as well as to the protesters, as this is, this is how we're going to do business. Uh, give me some perspective and insight in terms of what this does to the broader Middle East discussion. Well, you know, in the Middle East, you know, the most famous phrase and the only way to really understand the crazy Middle East is, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm. And this is where it's going to get a little bit complicated, because I think President Biden thought that he would have good relations with the Saudis, and that's clearly not the case. And the Chinese and the Saudis seem to be developing some kind of, uh, I make myself sound old now, like they taught in the old days, you and I, because we're of age, will understand that. I don't think it, it goes that far, but there clearly is a warming of relations between the Saudis and the Chinese. In the same way, remember that the Chinese and the Saudis are, 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 I mean, they are arch enemies, and the Saudis are clearly deeply concerned about an Iranian nuclear industry. Is that what brings them to the Chinese? Maybe. Is it the fact that the Iranians seem to be aligned with Russia? Is that what brings China to Saudi Arabia? Could be. Are the Chinese warming up to the China, Russia, Chinese warming up to the Saudis because of the cooling of the relations between the United States and the Saudis? Could well be. 
and that's what makes the, geo, the geopolitics in the Middle East. I think um, for those who don't live here, probably uh, maddening and frustrating on the one hand. And for those of us who live here, you know, what you see in the morning is not what you see in the evening. Yeah. Yeah, that change is so rapid and so uh, uncertain. The cadence, there's no real cadence to it, I think, is, is the other thing that we often use as uh, a stabilizing force, I think, in the U.S. and I think in Europe. It's it's sort of there's a cadence to it. And even if you don't like it, you can sort of say, OK, well, we can we can go with this for now. Uh, but it seems in the middle of the East that the cadence uh, is is so syncopated that it's, I think it's difficult for anybody to follow uh, and especially for the U.S. to then figure out. What do you do with that? How do you get in line with that in a way that you can actually have influence? I think your word cadence is interesting. Um, there is no real rhythm mm-hmm. um, because there are so many disparate interests here and unpredictability that I think that anybody who's trying to cohesively create a, quote, unquote, a map of the Middle East at the moment I think that would be um, a daunting task. And to your question, in terms of President Biden, um, I'm convinced that when he took office, the last thing he wanted to deal with was the Middle East. I think that was number 56 on a, <laughs> on a short list, and he stuck with this thing. And um, on the other hand, you can't not, at least in terms of rhetoric, you can't not respond to um, these extraordinary violations of human rights. Yeah. You have to say something, but if you're really careful what you say because of the Russia, Ukraine, Iran, trying. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you don't, the last thing you want to do is, is, uh, push, uh, one enemy into the arms of another, kind of taking the reverse side of your enemy of the enemy is the friend. Uh, if we're pushing them into each other's arms, uh, that's, that's not helpful either. And I add one more point. Um, it's December here. Um, it's getting cold in Europe. Look at the, the, the terrible weather in the UK. And the reason I uh, share that is because there's real concern in Europe in terms of how will the Russia-Ukraine war impact um, the ability to keep European homes warm yeah. in the winter. That yeah. also needs to be taken into consideration. Yeah. Uh, great insight as always. Uh, thanks for still taking our call. <laughs> Amos Giora from the uh, University of Utah. Uh, Amos, always appreciate your perspective. And I'm delighted, as I said, I'm delighted you're back in the chair. All right. Thanks so much. That's Amos Giora again joining us today. We'll go ahead and step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, we'll have some lessons from football and football, and we'll explain the difference coming up next. Stick around. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.